0: Well, good morning to you. For those of you who may not know me, my name's Ben Hertz. I am the senior pastor here. Uh, what a joy it is to gather. For those of you who just came because of the time changed, welcome. Uh, you're you're loved. We love you too. We get it. This is the one Sunday where you have kind of a pass a little bit uh, to be late. I know some of you are tired and sluggish, but it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Good to have our hearts turned back and reminded. Of who the Holy One is and who the one that our affections are owed to. And so let me invite you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. I am sure everybody has heard this phrase before in their life at some point or another. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? Is that really true? No, there there couldn't be, I, I'd almost rather have somebody punch me in the face and like <laughs> say something negative to me. I'm not inviting that, by the way. I'm just stating that. But the truth is, there are power in words. We have the ability to either build up with our words or tear down. Throughout our lives, all of us, I would venture to say, have been damaged by somebody else's words. You ever found yourself angry by something somebody said to you? Have you ever found yourself struggling with anxiety based on somebody threatening you or accusing you of something that wasn't true? Have you found yourself in despair because somebody tears you apart and rips you down? I mean, think of the the cyberbullying that's going on, suicide that happens because of words. Our words matter. And as we look at Colossians chapter 4, my prayer is this, that we would grow in exalting Christ in our words. That we would be people who think about what we say and realize that what we say matters. And let everything we say be exalting to our Savior who is worthy of it. And so... Let's look at Colossians 4. Follow along with me as I start reading in verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Thank you for the reminder this morning. There are 10,000 reasons to bless you and beyond. That's not a number we stop at, Lord. That's just to signify the fact that we have so much to be grateful for. And Lord, I pray that our gratefulness for you would be expressed in the words that we say. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to what your word has for us this morning. That we would see clearly areas in our life that we can grow in exalting you with our words. Bring conviction in areas that we need to be convicted of. Bring encouragement as well, Lord. I pray that we would all walk out challenged in you. Lord, thank you. You have not left us on our own. What a gift your word is to us. What a gift. And I pray that we would see it that way this morning. So give me clarity of thought and speech And give open hearts to hear and perceive what you have for them this morning through your word. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Our words matter. And our prayer should be that we would exalt him in what we say. And what we see here, first and foremost, is is this. We want to exalt Christ in our words through our prayers. Exalt Christ in our words through our prayers you see there again in verse 2 continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with Thanksgiving you can't pray without using words right and so what is the best use of time we can we can take with our words it's through prayer it's through pursuing the Lord one of our core values of a church is fervent prayer God calls us to have a relationship with With him, and we have it through communication in prayer. And here's the thing about prayer it is the greatest expression that we have of our dependence on the Lord. It is the acknowledgement that God, we are desperate for you. We can't handle what's going on in our world unless we come to you. And so, first and foremost, let's go to the Lord with our words through prayer. And Paul helps us to understand how to pray. And I think these are some important truths for us as we ponder our own prayer life. What does it look like? First and foremost, how do we pray? We pray by being persistent. Be persistent. You might advance that slide. This is not working very well. Be persistent. In your prayers, be persistent. It says there, continue steadfastly. Now, in the Greek, it's, it's one word there. It's not two words. It's, it's one word. It's this idea of being persistent. It, you look at some of the parables that Jesus shared. Remember the persistent widow that just kept going after it, going after the, the judge and going after him over and over again? Or the parable of the, the man who goes to the friend, friend's house at midnight begging for food because he's got people coming over and he doesn't have any food. Can you please do it? And out of exhaustion and out of just getting this guy out of his hair, he answers the door. And Jesus says, pray like that. Be persistent. But praise God, God's not annoyed with that. He actually, he's calling us to do that. He wants his people to go after it in prayer. Don't give up. Don't lose heart in it. Keep going. Now, why do you think he would say that? Because here is the easiest thing to do when it comes to prayer. You know what the easiest thing to do is? Quit. Isn't that true? The easiest thing is to give up. Like, are you telling me I'm supposed to talk to somebody who's not really there, and I don't get any verbal responses in return? And then when I pray, I don't always get what I'm praying for. And so the easiest thing we do in prayer is quit. And that's why God is calling us, don't quit. Be persistent. Keep going after it. And what that does is it teaches us to persevere, doesn't it? It keeps us to press on. It leads us to a place of utter dependence. Listen, rarely, rarely does God answer my prayers the way I want them to. And rarely is it on my timeline. <laughs> right? Like you pray. When you pray, you're like you're wanting it now. God, I need this done now. I need you to move now. Rarely does that happen. And I would beg to say, that's not God being mean. That's 100% his grace. It's his mercy. Because if he gave us everything that we wanted when we prayed for it, how would that turn out for us? Think about a child. If a parent revolves their whole lives around their child, give the child everything he asked for when he asked for it. When that child grows up, how is his life going to be? I would just beg to say, look at the world. You're going to get a picture of what that looks like. Where we demand everything to be done right when I ask for it. We would live in a fast food culture, don't we? We want it and we want it now. We can watch any movie at the drop of a hat. We don't have to wait. Uh, for, those, for those of you who didn't grow up back in the 80s and things like that where you actually had to watch carto- or you had to watch the commercials, believe it or not. Like you had to sit there and watch them. You couldn't just sit and watch a show. You had to wait a whole week to watch the next one. It's amazing. I know. It's crazy. How, how could that be? But God doesn't work that way. Because he understands that we would be spoiled brats if he just gave us everything we asked for when we asked for it. He wants to teach us to persevere. He wants to teach us to rely on him to realize it's not in your control. And doesn't that happen, right? When God doesn't meet us where we want, sometimes we realize we have major control issues. And hearts become exposed when things don't go the way we want to. When we're praying and he's not bringing it to us. Hearts get exposed because we realize, I'm not a very patient person, am I? And Then if if that's the way we treat God, he's nothing more than a genie in a bottle. Where we are looking for him, we're going to rub the lamp and out pops Jesus and he's going to give us what we want. Praise God that Jesus, that he does not give us what we want. Amen. You ever had that? You're praying for something, you're praying for something, you don't get it and then all of a sudden becomes clear why you didn't get it. You're like, oh, you spared me on that one, Lord. He is teaching us that we are not in control. We can't treat God like a vending machine. We put the quarters in we get out what we want. He's better than that. He knows what we need. And it's his grace that keeps him from giving what we want when we want it. And usually the hardest things that I face, that I ask God to take away, usually are the greatest gifts I've ever received. Right? You ever been in a conflict with somebody and you're like, God, get this over with. I'm so sick of this. But then like he's, he's kind of softening your heart in that. He's kind of teaching you how to lead. He's teaching you how to respond to hard people. He's exposing you and realizing that's what you're like to me. So be gracious to him as I've been gracious to you. Those trials that I pray for God to take away are often the greatest gifts. He's teaching us to persevere. And so don't give up your prayers. God is working in that. Be persistent in your prayers. But also do this. Be watchful. Be watchful in your prayers. It says there, right in verse two. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful. So when it, when it comes to prayer, he's calling us to be alert, to be mentally at alert. So at its basic form, it's he's saying, stay awake, stay awake. Don't fall asleep. Don't let your prayers be right before bed, and that's the only time you pray. And you lay in bed, and you you know you. you Dear Lord Jesus, then you wake up in the morning, amen. Oh, wait, what, what just happened? Like if that's the when you pray, Paul is saying don't do that. Be alert when you pray. Be mentally alert. Be watchful. Pay attention to what's going on around you. So even beyond uh, staying awake, it's just about pay attention to your world. Pay attention to those around you. Listen. Are you in a small group and people are are pouring their hearts out? Are you being watchful and alert in how you can pray for those people? Be engaged with your world. What's going on in the world around you? What's going on with your neighbors? Are there patterns that you've noticed in people that are changing? Be be aware. Too often we kind of just go through life consumed with our own self, don't we? I, I admit it. I get that way sometimes. I'm consumed by my own troubles and my own trials and my own struggles. That I'm not really watching out around me to see what's going on. And for that matter, I'm not even really watching out for my own soul then. Be watchful. Be paying attention to the world around you. You know, we have this opportunity to come together in a couple weeks on Palm Sunday to pray together. Let me just challenge you. Are you participating in our corporate prayer time? Here's a sad reality. It just is. I'm sure some of you have a legit excuse why you can't come. But the least attended thing that a church does is a corporate prayer time. And some people are like, I don't know how to pray. Well, we're not going to make you pray. And this is why you come together. If you don't know how to pray, come. You guys, if those of you who weren't here... The last time we had a prayer meeting, it was so rich and so deep. And we're hearing the deep prayers of other people. You learn to pray by hearing others. You learn the selflessness that others have. That sometimes we get selfish in our own prayers. And it gets exposed when I hear other people pray. So let me challenge you. Like, come. Be watchful. People are aware of things that are going on in the world that you're not. And when we come together to pray corporately, you, you get to be aware and you get to hear more things that are going on. We lose sight of our, we get to take our eyes off of ourselves, and we realize, oh, man, when people are sharing the struggles in, of their hearts, you, you get a chance to, to hear and get your eyes off of yourself and realize, you know, my problems aren't so bad. Like I need my eyes turned to others. And so what is keeping you from coming together as a church? If it's a calendar issue, okay. If it's a I don't know how to pray issue, get over it. Nobody's here to judge you how you pray. God doesn't say, well, that, you should, you, should. You, know, you didn't say thee before thou, except after thine. <laughs> Nobody's judging you for how you pray. And if they are, shame on them. God will have his way. <laughs> and I was so blessed last, last time we did it. We were in a group with two young couples who had little babies who probably felt like they were so distracting. But for me, and, and my wife, frankly, just brought so much joy. So much like, just joy that these parents are bringing their, their little kids, even though it's hard, it's probably, they're probably getting a little bit hungry, and yet they took the time to do it. It's an opportunity for us to be watchful, to come together. And so let me challenge all of you. On that Palm Sunday, 5 p.m., be here. Be watchful. Here's another thing in how to pray. Be thankful. Be thankful, be persistent, be watchful, be thankful. We see here, verse 2, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. This is the, the fifth time in the book where Paul expresses a call to have an attitude of gratitude. And so obviously he's saying this matters. It matters. Be thankful in prayer. Listen but this can't be a check to box. This isn't like, you know, you pray acts and you got adoration, confession, thanksgiving. So let thanksgiving be a part of your prayer. Rather what I would say is let thanksgiving be your disposition in prayer. Let it be your st- like let it be stable. Let let your prayers be centered around thanksgiving. So it's not a component of of prayer, rather, you are coming with the disposition of thanksgiving in your prayers. Here's what it does it, first of all, it reminds us of the goodness of God when we are thankful, when we come to Him and realize, first and foremost, Almighty God hears our prayers. Have you ever thought of that? The Creator of the universe, the Sovereign One, hears the prayers. Of his people. He loves the prayers of his people. We should be thankful that he has ears to hear from us. Because we are unworthy. Amen. We are unworthy to be heard. And yet he turns his ear to the righteous. Here's another way that we should come to prayer in thanksgiving. Because we understand that he works everything for the good of those who love him. Even the junk in your life, he turns for good. That means nothing happens to you where God is absent, where God is surprised, where he's like, oh no, what am I going to do here? It's Everything is an opportunity for him to turn around and use it for our good. So even though God, take this trial away, I can't take any more, we understand, man, I'm using it for your good, I know you can't see it now, but if it If I couldn't use this for your good, I wouldn't have it in your life. We have a heart of thanksgiving when it comes to prayer. We're approaching prayer with thanksgiving. We understand that we're praying, we're asking, we're we're asking for healing, we're asking for delivery. But even if he doesn't, our heart of thanksgiving understands that I can still thank him for this. He's going to use it for my good in some way or another. About this, we can be thankful because we know this is not our home. We talked about last week, right, like when it comes to the workplace, we're not working for treasures of this world. We understand that there's inheritance that awaits us in Christ. And so we can approach prayer and thanksgiving that even if my body fails or the, the body fails of a loved one who loves you, we know that you are preparing a place for him. And so though you may slay me. Still, I will follow because I know where my eternity
1: lies. Do you
0: have a disposition in your life of thanksgiving? Do you approach prayer trusting that, you know what, I don't need God to answer this for me to love Him because He's already taken care of my greatest problem? You understand that, right? Your greatest problem is not a health crisis. Your greatest problem is not a bank account issue. It's not relational strife. Your greatest problem is your sin. And Jesus paid the price for that. Of all people, Christians have every reason to be thankful. Amen? And yet we lose sight of that. That's why Paul has to say over and over again be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. Don't forget everything that Christ has done for you. He has exalted over all things and he's working everything for your good. That's amazing. No one can touch you. Do you realize that? No one can touch you ultimately when it comes to your eternity. and What really matters, Christ has you in his hands. So in your prayers, using your words to exalt Christ, be thankful. Be watchful. Be persistent. And when it comes to exalting Christ in our words, we also want to do this. We also exalt Christ through the proclamation of the gospel. How do we exalt Christ in our words? It's through our prayers, but it's also through the proclamation of the good news of Jesus. Look again at the text, verse 3. At the same time, pray also for us. That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So, really, Paul is continuing. He's, he's telling them, let your prayers be this way, pray this way. And then he's giving them something to pray for like, pray about this, pray for the proclamation of the gospel to go out. One of the greatest ways we can use our words, isn't it? To declare the goodness of Jesus. And I would say this, in this proclamation, lift your pastor up. Lift those who are going to proclaim the word up in prayer. That we would proclaim the gospel. Pray. For your elders and the leaders. But also pray for yourselves. This isn't just the job of the leaders of the church. We are all called to go out into the world and proclaim the good news of Jesus. What a great way to use our words. Paul gives specific ways to pray which I think are very relevant for us as well. The first thing he asks for is for open doors. In the proclamation of the gospel, pray for open doors. Pray for opportunities to come about. There are obstacles everywhere, isn't there? Those of you who are teachers at a public school, you can't just go to your kids in your classroom and proclaim the the good news of Jesus. So pray somehow there's an open door. Maybe it's a kid asking a question. I don't understand the legalities of all that, but I understand if a kid comes to you and asks questions. Pray for open doors with your neighbors who don't, there doesn't seem to be any way through. Pray for open doors. God is able to soften the hardest of hearts. Do you believe that? Because we were all born with hard hearts, separated from Him, and we need to seek the Lord, asking for open doors. Do you take the time to ask for that? Or have you been rejected by somebody, and therefore that door has been shut, and so you just kind of move on? When God's saying, be persistent. Be persistent. God changes hearts, not you. But he can change hearts. We must understand that. Pray for open doors for the gospel. But also this. Pray we proclaim Christ. Pray we proclaim Christ. Verse 3. That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So the mystery of Christ, pre-Christ, before Jesus came, it was a mystery, This what was coming. And then Jesus came and the mystery was revealed that all people who bow the knee to Christ can be saved. Paul's wanting to declare, we're not just, this, this is a thing in the world where I can find myself very angry. If I watch a lot of tele you ever watch some of those, Some of the, not everybody who's on there, many who are proclaiming something that's not the gospel and so we got to make sure that it is christ that we are proclaiming there are people who are saying that if you come to jesus your bank account will grow you won't lose your jobs the relationships will be restored your life will be easy now help me understand What would you have said to the disciples? You realize that basically, most, if not all of the disciples, faced some kind of persecution, and most of them died as martyrs for Christ. Coming to Jesus didn't make things go better for them. And yet, there are people proclaiming this. And if we have to be careful, is my life easier because of Christ? In a sense, absolutely. But in another sense, there's a lot more opposition that I face because I've chosen to follow Christ. And if there's no opposition in your life, it may be that you're not really making any stands for Jesus. Because you're going to come into conflict with the world. The world hates Jesus. And if it hates Jesus, it will hate you. And we have to stay the course that we are proclaiming the true Christ of the Scriptures. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. May we never preach any other gospel. And I see Christians, like, leaning towards a works-based salvation. Okay, now that you got saved, you got to get your life all straight and all right. (laughs) Now, is there some truth in that? Perhaps. Like, there's this... Call for us to pursue holiness. There's a call for us to pursue Christ and to become conformed more and more to the image of His Son, but that's not our way to salvation. Jesus rescues us where we're at. We come to Him dead with nothing to offer. Nothing good have I to bring simply to the cross. We cling. Not by works of righteousness, which you have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. And yet, sometimes we might be proclaiming a gospel that says you got to get your life right and then you come to Jesus. Or now that you got your life right, you better get right with Jesus. You better start living the right way so that he loves you. No, he loves us despite how we are. And we can trust that the spirit is at work. He will conform us to the image of his son. Philippians 1.6 says that he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion. He does the work. He began the work. He continues to do the work. He will complete the work. We participate in that. But we understand we're not saved by our good works. We don't stay saved because we keep doing good works. Rather, our good works are a reflection that Jesus has saved us. So be careful. Are you proclaiming Christ? Are you proclaiming a different gospel? And Then Paul says this. Pray the message is clear. This really ties in with everything else, right, we've talked about. Pray the message is clear. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. There's no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's not multiple ways to God. There's one way, and it's only through the blood of Jesus can we be made right with him. We need to make sure... The message is clear. And if you are fuzzy when it comes to the details of the gospel, my encouragement is you, there's no shame in that. Like, but seek somebody out. Help me understand. How do I share the gospel? Reach out. Find, gain understanding. But let's pray. Let's use our words to proclaim the good news of Jesus. So, exalting Christ in our words through prayers, through the proclamation of the gospel, and lastly, through our personal interactions. Proclaiming Christ in our words through our personal interactions. Look at verse five. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So Paul is specifically speaking about our interactions with outsiders, with unbelievers. That we need to be careful of what our lives look like always, but especially amongst unbelievers. And this last section is so critical for us. One of the things that an unbelieving world... Finds unbelievable is when those in the name of Jesus proclaim one message with their lips, but then deny it by the way they live their lives.
1: Yes, we are called to proclaim the right words,
0: but we need to guard and make sure our personal interactions with one another speak of the good news of Jesus and not one of harshness, of hate of judgmental attitudes, and so once again here, Paul gives us some guidelines when it comes to our personal interactions. Firstly, walk wisely. Walk wisely. Verse 5, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Are you authenticating the message of Christ with the way that you are living? This is Jesus, come forward in the, in the words that you say that are lined up with the way that you live your life. Are you walking wisely? We talked a lot last week about specifically the workplace. Can people look at the way you work and say that you're wise? Are the words you speak those that are good for edifying and building up and not tearing down? Watch how you live. Pay attention. If I did this certain action, what would it look like to those around me? Paul did everything he could, whether he was with the Greeks or the Jews, in order not to be a stumbling block to them. It doesn't mean he compromised his values. But we should walk wisely in a way that glorifies Christ. We were bought with a price. We are not our own. Right? Right? Glorify God in your bodies.
1: If you've been rescued by Jesus,
0: then you are his ambassador. You are a representation to the world of what Christ looks like. Walk wisely. Also this, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Paul says it like this, walking wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. You're around those who don't know Christ. Our hearts should be that we want them to hear the good news. And we want to pray for open doors, right? Paul said, pray for me that I would to open doors. We should be praying for open doors with those who we know are unbelievers in the workplace. Pray that we make the most of every opportunity. If you come across somebody who's broken, that's usually like the right spot where you can introduce them. Man, I I get it. I've had a lot of brokenness in my life. And my only hope in those brokennesses has been Jesus. And he's rescued me. You're looking for opportunities. You're making the best use of your time. This is something that, honestly, confession, I've just felt a lot of conviction on lately. And with COVID, frankly, I've just used it as an excuse not to really reach out to people or have, look for conversations. Most places I'm going, I'm just putting my mask on, putting my head down, and doing what I need to do, getting in as quick as I can and getting out as quick as I can. Some of it's like the awkwardness of having conversation. And, you know, what you hear is, huh, what? What, what? what? And, then, like, it, you know, and then you're asking what, and then people are getting angry. And so you're like, I just don't want to mess with it. And I realized, you know what, that's an excuse. I can do that all day long. But it's time to like, this is our world right now. And so this week I'm just kind of like, Lord, let me have open doors. So we were at uh, Gates this week. I was at Gates getting an oil change. And uh, there's this young couple with a six-month-old baby. And uh, the baby like just just had this like burp. You know those six-month-old burps where you're like, that's not, there's something coming. You know what I mean? And so it's like, "Uh- oh," and so I chuckled like on purpose for them to hear, just to kind of you know kind of create a just to get togetherness, don't don't you miss that? like I just miss that in the world, and so and so lo, I'm waiting for it because I, I have five kids, so I kind of you know I kind of know that sound, and so lo and behold, just a, 30 seconds later blah, you know, and like like you hear it hit the ground and you're, and you're just laughing and everybody, and it just kind of created this moment where we're interacting with one another. Now, I didn't share the gospel. But you know what, like if I were to run into this couple again, I could remember that time. I could, you know, oh, yeah, I remember seeing you. And we just don't know what these opportunities create. But if I would have just ignored them like I would probably normally want to do and just kind of go on with my life, I would miss those opportunities. And so I've just tried to make myself a little bit more like looking, making the best of every opportunity. So the cashiers, I usually don't talk to cashiers. And, you know, every cashier I'm talking to, I'm like pursuing, how was your day? Like, how are you doing? Again. Did I share the gospel? No. But I'm trying to make the best use of my time. I'm trying to open up a door to where maybe somebody, if somebody does say, man, it's been terrible, I've had a hard time, like, oh man, would you mind if I prayed for you? Like, just looking for opportunities like that, making the best use of your time. Like, the world, nobody's, there's not a lot of people doing that anymore. Are you making the best use of your time? It doesn't mean that you have to say, hey, I'm Ben and you need Jesus. Let's talk. (laughs) Like sometimes God does that. Sometimes God tees it up. But other times it's just through relationships of loving them. Make the best use of your time. And then here's the last thing we'll talk about. When it comes to your personal interactions, watch your tone. Watch your tone. Verse 6. If I haven't stepped on your toes yet, then I think the scriptures will do that right here. Let your speech... Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. How often should our, our speech be seasoned with salt and gracious? Always. But, but wait, wait, did you hear the way he talked to me? Ah, nope,
1: nope. Always. They don't deserve that. doesn't mean we can't say the hard truth.
0: If we say the wrong thing with the right attitude is it wrong? Yeah. If we can't say the wrong things, our speech needs to be truthful. So we got to say the right things. But if we say the right things in the wrong way, is it wrong? Absolutely. This isn't a call to stand down and not speak anything hard. This is a call to make sure we understand that when we are speaking even against things that we disagree with strongly, that we're doing it in a way that is gracious and seasoned with salt. The problem I see in the Christian world is that we're just not willing to have conversations with people. We just kind of put everybody in this broad, spect- broad spectrum. Like if you believe this, then you're, you're just, you're out. Pfft. You're an idiot. Like, I've seen that. From the Christian world. This isn't what the world says. This is what the church says. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. Let it be gracious. We don't dump the salt on. We don't like pour the whole thing. You know, if I had a steak, I like a little bit of salt. I don't pour the whole thing on there. And we can get so gung-ho about the truth that we lose sight of the fact that we are delivering it in a way that is taken away from the message and the person can no longer hear it. Listen, there are some things that are going on in the world that are very concerning to me. And I could be downright angry about it, and I think it's okay. I don't like the fact that the unborn are are being killed with no consequence. But am I going to win an argument by going and calling somebody an idiot because they don't believe life happens at conception? Is that really going to win anybody over? And yet, we damage our witness because we're saying the right things, but our heart is far from the Lord. We don't care about Christ being exalted. We care about being right. And ultimately, it prevents us from allowing the gospel to move forward. Say the right things. But watch your tone. Have a conversation with it. The a the, struggle for me. Like I, I see Christians I... Facebook, and I, this is not anybody here specifically at all. I probably, like, I'm not even thinking about any of you here. I'm just thinking about what I see from the world. So, so please know that. But like I see so many Christians hate the cancel culture that's going on. And yet I see all day long the Christians are doing the exact same thing. Oh, you believe this? Well, you're a loser and I'm out. How dare you? Well, have a conversation. Do you know why they think that way? Do you, know, do you realize so many people think such whack things because that's just what they've been told. And nobody has taken the opportunity to actually love them, to care about their soul. When are we going to stop caring about being right and start caring about where people are headed to? With, without, here's the thing, we are such pendulum swingers, aren't we? We could hear that and say, well, if, well, I'm not supposed to stand up for what's true. Yes, you are. But there's a way to do it. There is a way to be gracious with your words. To say the right things in a way that honors Christ.
1: Did Jesus back from saying the hard things? No. But was he compassionate
0: in doing it? The woman at the well. confronted her and said, you've been married five times and you're with a man that is not... Your husband, did Jesus crucify her over that? Or did she lovingly call out her sin but yet love her? (laughs) May we exalt Christ with our words. Use your words to seek out your father in prayer. Seek them out persistently. Be watchful. Be mindful of what's going on. Be thankful. Pray for opportunities to use your words to proclaim the gospel. For you to proclaim the gospel. For your pastor. For, any, for your elders. For anybody else who would preach. That they would do so with authority that comes from God's word. That they would do it clearly. That you pray for open doors. That hearts would be opened. That brokenness would come in order for hearts to be opened. That's usually what happens Let's be people who are prayerful and mindful, that we use our words when it comes to out, outsiders to exalt Christ, that we're mindful of our personal interactions with one another, that we're making the best use of our time. That we are walking wisely. And let's make sure that the words that we say are said with a tone that glorifies Christ, it's gracious seasoned with salt. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are so gracious and merciful to give us your word. And you've given us your word not just for us. You've given us it so that we could then proclaim your word to a world that desperately needs to hear the good news. And Lord, we just all confess right now, we do not measure up. We don't always use our words to lift you up. And we humble ourselves before you. We ask your forgiveness And, Lord, your word says if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, God, I pray for those who may be feeling the conviction that you would keep us from condemnation, Lord, because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, but yet convict us that you would change us. Maybe it's the fact that we're afraid to share the gospel. Lord, your word says if we're ashamed to proclaim you in front of man then there's a serious issue there. God, give us boldness. Maybe our issue is not in proclaiming the gospel. Maybe it is that we're standing for the truth, but we're doing so in a harsh way. God, our tone matters. May our words be seasoned and gracious. But Lord, there are also some of us, and I fall into this camp, where we're afraid to say the hard things because we don't want to offend, and Lord, that's not good either. God, keep us compassionate for you. others, keep us loving you with everything so that when we we interact with one another when we interact with those who are lost, God that you give us a compassion that could only come from you God, we need you we need you in this area we thank you that you've worked us your spirit is working in us God grow us into people who authenticate our message by our lives, because your spirit is moving So God, change us, move us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand and let's sing this in response.